Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins, and I'm joined once again by Ryan Seymour. On today's show, Ryan and I are joined by Blaine Gabbert, former Missouri quarterback and current Tampa Bay Buccaneer. We talk with Blaine about his experience at Mizzou and in the NFL, many of the different coaches he's played for, and much more. But before we get started, we can't forget to... Let's jump right into it. So uh, we have Ryan and I have the absolute pleasure today to be joined by Blaine Gabbert, former Mizzou quarterback, current quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Blaine, thank you so much for taking a little time out of game week to uh, to join us here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. So we're here on the uh, Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast, and we're sponsored by BetOnline.ag. We're here in the middle of the season, and while we don't have a lot of fans at the games. You guys have a couple in Tampa Bay, I think, though. You guys are like 25% capacity? A few. I, I think it's supposed to be up this weekend. I can't give you a good number, but I think we had like 7,500 last week. So okay. a lot better oh. than an empty stadium. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, you can still be in on the action if you head over to betonline.ag. One of the things that you can uh, currently place a wager on over there at our friends at BetOnline is the Heisman Trophy. It's still early in the season, but the odds are out there. For either of you guys, is there anyone who has stood out so far that you uh, you like to bring home the Heisman? I haven't watched much college football, to be honest. I tuned in a little bit to the Mizzou game last weekend, but I'm I'm out of the loop just with the whole delayed season, the Big Ten, not playing, maybe yeah. playing. They're, 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 uh, supposedly, the, supposedly the Big Ten is starting in like a week and a half. So we'll see somehow. Somehow I was talking about with this about with, with Ryan earlier about this. Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, is still has the second best odds to win the Heisman, despite the fact that they haven't played a game yet, it, which is just absolutely mind. It's so mind blowing, yeah. So you know, know they're, they, they're a great team. I think once they get rolling, he's got to have a chance. I, mean, I know he had a good year last year, um, but yeah, for Trevor sure. Lawrence, I haven't kept up on Clemson too much, but. I mean, he's super talented, so I'm assuming it'll come down to those two guys. Yeah, I mean, those are guys with number one, number two odds. Actually, Trevor Lawrence is the odds-on favorite right now. He's minus 120, so that means you have to bet $120 to win 100 for Trevor uh, on the Heisman. Everyone else, Justin Fields, Mac Jones are plus 500. Everyone else is way, way over that. Uh, you know, what really shocked me, though, Stetson Bennett, who started the year as the like fourth-string Georgia quarterback, is now their starter and is in the top 10 for Heisman odds now. So, I mean, it's just an absolutely, absolutely silly season that we have going on right now. But whatever your sport is, whatever your game is, you can uh, get in on all the action over at betonline.ag. Um, again, that is betonline.ag. Head on over to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses, plus the online casino never closes. I don't know if you guys are blackjack players. I got a couple of buddies who uh, probably spend a little too much time on that. Ryan, I know I, I know you hit the casino on your honeymoon recently. I just so. got back. I was down there in Fort Lauderdale. They just put in that Seminole um, 
I forget what it's called. It's a hard rock, but I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's a hard rock casino down there in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I spent a week down there with my fiance, now wife, and uh, they took advantage of me. I, I, I made my, uh, my contribution, I guess, my contribution, as you could say, pretty quickly. Uh, so the wife was not too pleased about uh, our trip to the casino. It was hard enough getting her there, and then it just – it just went downhill as soon, went downhill as soon as I stepped foot on the uh, on the blackjack table. I think within thirty minutes I was down uh, a little bit more than I wanted to be. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, we were talking about this. Uh, we were talking about this right before right before we clicked on. Um, I know, obviously, one of the big uh, elephants in the room this week against you know the Vandy Missouri game. Obviously, we we're thrilled to have you on, Blaine. You know, former former Zoo quarterback. The, the game has been postponed due to COVID. Um, so that in itself is a little bit interesting. You know, obviously a lot of teams have had to make a lot of adjustments. Matt and I were talking mm-hmm. about this um, earlier today about actually how many teams have really suffered from this, uh, from what's going on with COVID. There's been quite a few teams already this year who have had to delay or, or delay games. I know Baylor was a big mm-hmm. one. Um, has that affected you guys at all? How has it been? Um, you know, how are things, how, how, what adjustments, I guess, could you say you guys, have you guys had to make, um, this you know, season? It, it's been fine for the most part. Um, it was different throughout training camp just cause we didn't have fans. Right. Um, mm-hmm. usually have all of the open practices and it was definitely gonna be a big year just with all the free agent additions that we have with the team. There's a lot of energy kind of in the preseason throughout the summer. So we had no fans at training camp and then all this stuff now with no fans at games, they're just trying to work through that now, and it was it was kind of. This might be a dumb going. question. This might be a dumb question. Are they? Is, is the is the crowd noise that you hear on TV? Is that just pumped in through the through your television set, or is that going on on the sidelines? It's fake news, man. Like we don't. It's hear fake anything news. Yeah, yeah, I haven't asked. I, I had a guy we, last week. I should. I didn't. I haven't known. I, so I could have probably googled it. So <laughs> actually, no. It's funny. So, no, uh, go ahead, Blaine. So it's funny. My dad asked me that we played in new Orleans week one and it was, you could hear a pin drop in the stadium. And my dad was like, it sounded pretty loud in new Orleans on TV. And I was like, honestly, like we could hear everything going on in the field. We could hear the other sideline talking. So yeah. I think teams are starting to play a little music now. I think I noticed it in uh-huh. Chicago a little bit, but I mean, you're going from a stadium that has 80,000 people with fans to a little background music noise. We haven't noticed it. You know, has that affected bit. you guys? Has that affected your play calling or has that affect any of the communication that you guys have? I mean, obviously as a quarterback, you're making a lot of audibles, you're making calls at the line of scrimmage. Has that had to, have you guys had to no. put any like changes in? No, we haven't. Um, it's funny you asked that. Cause that was like a question that we had early on. Like, are they going to be, be able to hear everything on TV? Will it be quiet enough for the other teams to hear things? But there's so many, there's so many noises on a football field on any given play. There's so many code words. There's so many, R and L words, as you know, like it's hard to yeah. pick up on that. Um, the coaches scour the TV copies as they have for the last 15 years, but you know, it's, it's just so hard to pick up on. And if you give a guy a tip in game, what are the chances he's going to remember if he hears an R and L word for right and left that he's really going to actually use it. So we thought it was going to be a big deal, but uh, it really has not been. And, you know, we just kind of gone on as normal, just without any fans in the stadium. Yeah, it was, it was funny because my I, I'm actually an audio engineer by you know by by trade. That's what I do, mm-hmm. and so my mom sent me this article about these these TV audio engineers who are working for the NFL to pump the crowd noise mm-hmm. into 
uh, into the broadcast. That's for our pleasure, I guess. That's for yeah, no, 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 it, it, it yeah. really is. And they started doing it with the NBA because what happened those first couple games in the NBA bubble, they had nothing. And so, and people were just like, this is so strange. Like, I don't get it. And so they started like messing around with it a little bit in the NBA bubble. So by the time that football season rolled around, a lot of these guys working for the networks had enough experience with it that they were able to do it like completely seamlessly, which has been, you know, really, really impressive for me. Like as an audio engineer, that is hard. That is actually really, really hard to do because mm-hmm. they, they have to manage so many different tracks on that. But we can get we can get back to that uh, uh, sometime yeah. later. Obviously, <laughs> this season has been unlike any other so far. Um, and, you know, the big addition for your team this year has been Tom Brady and his mm-hmm. uh, trusty sidekick in Gronk, um, which uh, I, I imagine they bring a, you know, a, a new vibe to the team. And so what are some of the things that you've, you know, you've picked up hanging around those guys and all the titles they've won that you've been either been able to apply to your game or just sort of you're going to know you're going to be keeping in the back of your mind as you go forward with your career? Yeah, no, Tom and Rob have been awesome additions as it would be to any football team. Um, they're great guys in the locker room, but they're a lot of fun to work with too. And just being around Tom on a day-to-day basis, just seeing the kind of the attention, the detail that it takes um, and that he's perfected over the last shoot two decades of football in the NFL. Like just saying that playing in the NFL for 20, 21 years is, is remarkable. Just the longevity alone, but the, the level of success that they've had in new England, over two decades, I think nine Super Bowls, six wins. It's it's unheard of and unprecedented. And you know, just picking his brain, but also working with him as the quarterback to help him kind of grasp this system and kind of get things the way we like it. And you know, it's been a great a great group to be a part of, and a lot of fun so far. Blaine, what what are uh, I guess as you're approaching this season every year? You know, a guy that's been in the league. What is this year nine for you now? Ten. You're 10. 10. Oh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. You're 10. You know, as a guy, as, as a guy that's on year 10, you know, as you're going in every single season, um, has your goals, I guess, changed progressively throughout the year? Or what are your goals, I guess, when you're prepping? You know, we're still early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look forward, you know, throughout your career, has your, has your goals stay the same? Or talk to us about what, what your expectations are of yourself, I guess, going into yeah, every I season. Think- they change year to year kind of what your role is going to be. Um, ultimately, you have the same team goal every year, and that's to win win the, win the championship, win the Super Bowl. But, you know, we always try and you walk back from that goal. How do you achieve that goal? Well, you got to win the conference first, and you got to win the division. And um, so that's kind of how you break it down. Um, and that's kind of where we're at now. It's like we need to win as many division games, many conference games as we can, and that's – simplified and then as a goal personally it's yeah you always want to be the starter but then you have to have individual goals as a backup when you get your chance make the most of the opportunity and it breaks down breaks down from there but you know it's definitely a challenge being a backup because you don't know when you're gonna yeah. play so you have to you always have to stay sharp and just make the most of the opportunity when it arises yeah you said kind of you said no like knowing your role that was definitely something that that just sentence alone kind of stood out there was like a saying in the league, you know, know, do, know your role and do your job, I guess you could say. Yeah. And whatever that role might be, you just have to do it to the best of, best of your ability. And that, and like you said, it could change weekly, daily, you know, depending yeah. on injuries, depending on, on just what happens on Sundays. Uh, you just never know what's going to be asked of you. Um, so your role could always change, but that's just something yeah, that's, that stood that's out. The, that's the crazy part 
kind of of this business because guys can go down on a Friday. I've been told mm-hmm. I'm starting on Sunday on Saturday afternoon. So you really, you don't know. And it's, you'd like to be told early on in the week so you can actually get the reps in practice. But, you know, it's just always one of those things, know your role and do your job. It sounds so simple, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> people kind of forget that. And like, that's the yeah. things that stick with me. I know it stuck with you. It's like, know your role. It's like, all right, my role is to be a backup. Now my role is to be the starter. Just do your best at that and figure it out as it comes. So in, in, in prepping for the show, I was doing a little bit of research. Dude, you had a different head coach every single season yeah. <laughs> until this one. This is the first year you've had continuity for head coach or even offensive coordinator. It's been with, pretty with, wild. With, with, with Bruce and Byron, which is mm-hmm. which is absolutely crazy. So for the audience, I I just need to list this. I, I just need to <laughs> I just need to put this out for the audience so they can understand. Like I I was just I was Ryan and I were talking on the phone earlier today, and I was absolutely <laughs> baffled by this. Your rookie season, you had both Jack Del Rio and Mel Tucker. Yep. Your second year, you had Mark, Mike Malarkey. Then you went to Gus Bradley, Jim Harba, Jim Tom Sula, who I need to talk with you about. Uh, Chip <laughs> Kelly, <He's awesome>. <laughs> Chip <laughs> Kelly, Bruce Arians, Mike Vrabel, and now finally Bruce Arians again for last season and this season. Your yep. OCs, Dirk Cutter, Bob Brekowski, Jed Fish, Greg Roman, Jeep Chris, Curtis Modkins, Harold Goodwin, Matt LaFleur, and finally two years of Byron Leftwich. Dude, you have seen everybody. You've seen everybody. It's absolutely wild. Uh, I I have a special place in my heart for Jeep Chris, personally, just because, uh, you know, like I said, I went to Wisconsin. Paul Chris is our coach. He's Paul's brother. Um, The whole Chris family are coaching legends in Wisconsin. Um, So you've had a lot of coaches. Do is there any is there any particular coach, whether it's a head coach, offensive coordinator, or position coach that you've really connected with and you feel like has helped you grow your game the most? You know, just being with Byron in Arizona and then now here. Um, yeah, he was the quarterbacks yeah, coach. Cross, yeah, he was the quarterbacks guys, coach uh, over there. Yeah, you guys cross paths. Actually, your rookie year wasn't he on the team in Jacksonville? Your first year? No, he was gone at that point in time. He was on the Steelers oh, then. Okay. Um, but just having similar backgrounds with Byron getting drafted by Jacksonville um, and then having him as my quarterback coach in Arizona and now being the offensive coordinator here, just the way he sees the game, it's been a lot of fun just to kind of get to know him. Not only as a person, but having him as your coach, he's a young guy. He's fun to be around. Um, and so it's been nice to have some continuity there um, from years past, just because, you know, ultimately you, you determine your success in the league, but, the continuity from a coaching staff and a system standpoint definitely helps players um, just get comfortable and then play to the best of their ability. So when you're in different situations or circumstances or systems and coordinators, it's just a never ending um, kind of pinwheel. So you always kind of feel like you're behind the eight ball, always trying to catch up and learn. And you really never have a full year to kind of grasp and digest the offense and then be able to go into the next off season. So, you know, it's been fun just being with these guys the last few years. Yeah, that 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 that's really great that you could finally have that 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 continuity. So yeah. <laughs> my best friend in college and I, like, we we have a weird affinity. I don't know if you remember, like, back in like the two thousands and the Pro Bowl week, they'd have like the quarterback challenges. I don't know. Yeah. If, 
Byron was an absolute star in those. Byron left, which <laughs> my best friend Josh and I would watch those. And we still, whenever they rerun them on the NFL Network, we tape them and we'll make sure to watch, like try to watch them together because Byron is the most ridiculous. Like he's so much fun <laughs> to just like listen to. So I, you know, I, I can really appreciate that. I love the fact that, you know, that, that you have that relationship with him because he just seems like he's such like an affable guy. He just seems, yeah, he's he just a seems, great guy. Yeah, he just seems like a guy you like want to be around and want to spend time with. And it's not like a because I know that there are some coaches and OCs, I'm sure, that are, you know, very abrasive, and w- mm-hmm. w- w- you know, and it, it, it can be really tough. But it seems like Byron's just like, like, like the kind of guy that, you know, it can kind of bring people together just because of his personality, which is which is really, really cool. So but speaking about that, like, how do you adapt year to year, system to system, scheme to scheme? Like, that seems like that would be just very mentally taxing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is what it is. You just kind of got to, you got to do it. Um, And the biggest thing that I try to do is you compartmentalize each system and kind of their own. Once you go to a new system, you got to flush the previous one. Ryan will tell you the same thing. It's not easy to learn new terminology for the same thing. You have to re kind of rewire your brain just so you stop calling it one thing and call it another. So every, every year you I had to do that for like my first eight, nine years because it was always ever changing. Um, but luckily now the last last couple of years, I'm in the same system now. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a breath of fresh air, not having to relearn the formations, the run game, the protections, the pass play. See, that's a, that's the difference between that's the difference between the number one number one QB right there yeah. and a guy who's <laughs> been in the league and the guy that's been in the league ten years yeah. and all, and the guy that was struggling to make it five. See, I was the opposite. I was trying to take, I was, I was taking whatever offense I learned the year before and was like, okay, we've got a, a four, we got a, let's just say we got a four down the wheel, like a jet protection. I would just try to think about, okay, we called it two jet here and we call it this here. So I would have in my playbook, we would make a call and I'd be like, okay, that's, that's really like what they used to call that there. And then, yeah. I would try to like. That's I guess that's the difference between like, you know, guys made it as long as you had Blaine. I would I would try to take things that I remember from maybe other other teams that I had been on and just try to apply it. That you, was just needed, just you just needed you just needed a Google Google Translate for playbooks is really what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> like Blaine language. said, there, well, you know, I mean, some there's some plays that no matter where you go, scheme wise, they're going to be the same. You know, those pass protections, yeah. none of them don't change. You know, as far as like power, power never changes. Outside mm-hmm. zone never changes. Inside zone never changes. You know, trap like that sort of stuff for alignment. I guess like my rules and my protections. No matter what team I'm on, they're the same. They just call it something different. So for yep. me, I always try to just think about like you know if there was a certain I guess uh, if there was a certain play that really stuck out to me in a previous organization, I just kind of like applied that to wherever I was at the time, mm-hmm. and that helped. And that kind of helped me um really help you know learn the system and try to just memorize these playbooks and matt and i were talking before the you know before the show just about you know your career and you know obviously that list of ocs that he's named it's one thing it's like alignment i'm only going to think about you know protections and what we're doing as uh you know our our rules and assignments blaine's got to think about what his receivers are doing (laughs) what his tight ends doing what his running back is doing what his linemen are doing I mean, I just, I, dude, it's so impressive. Um, 
you know, the amount of success and the amount of years that you've been able to acquire and having to learn a new system every single year, that in itself, for people who don't know, it's just crazy. I mean, how thick are these? Well, now they got iPads, but I'll say, how thick are these (laughs) playbooks, man? You know, (laughs) I mean, you know how those training camp playbooks get, they're like five inches thick just with all the installs and stuff, but yeah, installing. I mean, you're going to install eight run plays, eight pass plays, you know, a day yeah. during training camp. And then the next day you're going to have another eight. So you got to have 16. Then another day you're going to have another eight. So it's like within it a week. Compounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you, if you miss something on Tuesday, on Thursday, you're not, you're not going to know what the hell's going on. No, you're like, what was that? Or scrolling through back all the pages. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I used to, I used to learn a ton of things. I used to learn a ton of things from just watching the older guys and obviously both you and Tom are both veterans. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, has there been any like tips or like ways that are anything that you've seen that maybe you picked up from Tom or like, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, what are y'all's conversations like, I guess, in the film room? Well, it's just the way he sees the game. You know, every quarterback mm-hmm. sees the game differently. Um, everybody wants to attack defenses in a different way. And um, the more you can pick up on things from the other quarterbacks in the room, it just helps you um, because there's certain ideas. And vice versa. I'm sure, he's, is he, I'm sure he's picking your brain 24-7, just like you're picking his. Yeah, and it's just once, once that collaborative effort kind of starts rolling in the quarterback room, it, it's a lot of fun because – you have conversations that you normally wouldn't have if you're just in there with your, by yourself watching the film. So mm-hmm. it's been great just to kind of see the way he sees the game and then kind of vice versa. But um, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun because he's had so much experience under his belt and you forget that um, he's accomplished so much in his career just because you're kind of so focused on that given week or that given meeting. Um, it's really great to just kind of sit back and kind of just BS and, kind of just talk ball from a kind of 10,000 foot view with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine that is uh, quite the experience. I, I mentioned earlier, Jim Tom Sula guys, I am fascinated by Jim Tom Sula just as a person for a variety of reasons. He's One of the most, legend. he's an absolute legend. I don't know if either of you guys know the writer, Drew McGarry. Drew McGarry is mm-hmm. probably my favorite author. Um, he used to write a column on Deadspin um, called uh, the weekly NFL dick joke jamboree. And um, <laughs> and he had a one of the segments in the column was called Jim Tom Sula's life hack of the week, where he would just make up something that he thinks Jim Tom Sula would say. Um, so I want to know I, I, from, from both you guys, honestly, I want to know what your either best or most ridiculous Jim Tom Sula story is, because he's he, he's just so like I, he just feels bigger than life to me. You know, he, I love Jimmy T. Uh, he's one of the more authentic, real coaches that I've ever had. I mean, he is who he is, and that's who, how he's going to be every single day. So you knew exactly what you were going to get, which is beautiful. Because when you come into work and your head coach is somebody someday and another guy a different day, you know, it's tough. You don't know which, which personality you get. But, you know, I love Jimmy T. Uh, and he was our D-line coach in San Fran before he got the head job. But, you know, it was always funny walking into his – team meeting because he'd have a cup of like six coffee cups and i was like you see like what coffee are you on today I, I mean it could have been 10 but you know it was just seeing how big his coffee cup stack was going into every team meeting was hysterical and you know i i got all the love in the world for jimmy i just been thinking about i mean 
I wasn't there when he was the head coach. I was only there when he was the D-line coach. But just uh, Blaine's, like, description of him is just spot on. I just – the first <laughs> the first thing that, like, popped into my mind was him walking around with that styrofoam cup out of the chow hall and, like, a huge uh, – an enormous dip in with like, – <laughs> with like, I don't think I've ever seen him not pull the coffee cup. We could be at practice. No, he'd have a he'd have that styrofoam <laughs> coffee cup walking yeah. walking around with his pants. He had, he wore these like sweatpants that would like he'd pull yep. up really really high for some reason, <laughs> like grandpa <laughs> like, style. Yeah, he wore them like like that is like above his belly button. Like <laughs> no, it was great. The old school gray cotton sweats. Yeah, that's awesome. it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> To be fair, I don't blame him. Those are pretty damn comfortable. So that's like that's like Harbaugh. I mean, you know Harbaugh. He had that. Yeah. He had the same. (laughs) He wore the same black sweatshirt that he that had a Stanford logo on it. That you could tell he he took a 49ers logo and just had one of the equipment guys sew it over the Stanford logo. You can still see like the S underneath it. (laughs) I mean. And I was and I was up there in Michigan for like a short stint. It is unbelievable. I mean, Coach Harbaugh. Some of these coaches, just in general, on the subject of general health, I don't even know how these yeah. guys like pass Function, a physical like every pass a no. physical every year. No, <laughs> like I mean, I don't know how many you know, Jimmy T coffee, but Coach Harbaugh. I don't know how many diet cokes one person can oh physically my. drink. Ah. Physically drink in one sitting. I mean. I sat next to him in UM for a little bit. I was up there for three months, and he had on his desk at any given point 15 cans of Diet Coke, <laughs> of empties, empties that he had drank throughout the day with a trash can on his right for his, you know, for his other habit. Uh, <laughs> just one after the other, sip of Diet Coke, trash can, sip of Diet Coke, trash can, all just nonstop. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I I don't know how these quarterback coaches. meeting with him. <laughs> hysterical they all love diet coke or diet pepsi yeah it's like a coach's it's like a coach's like crack it's like i don't get it do you guys know about ed Ed orgeron's red bull habit though i I can't even imagine what it is (laughs) he has a fridge of he has a red bull fridge in his office that has to be restocked daily he's drinking at least a dozen a day of And if, if you ever read, um, th- there was a great, great book that followed him when he was back, back when he was the head coach at the Ole Miss. Uh, I think it was uh, Meat Market, I think was the book um, mm-hmm. about it was about the, uh, you know, the recruiting. It followed him for like a year or two. And just the amount of Red Bull this this man consumes could like could sustain the economy of like a small country. It is beyond <laughs> absurd. Absolutely beyond absurd. Blaine, um, what's your like? What's your uh, I guess what's your go to when you're in meetings? Is it the G twos? Is it the coffee? It's just water now. It's so water? hot down here that yeah. if I have too much coffee, especially in like the summer or training camp, if I have too much caffeine yeah. before practice, I mean you're burning up an individual period. Oh my god! So it's like you have I to limit. Like, yeah, it's it's wild, and I didn't really figure it out for like the first month last year being yeah. down here just because i was like oh it's not gonna be that hot but like when it's yeah you're like, I've been to Jack- I've been to Jacksonville. it's not gonna be that yeah. bad but like yeah. the heat and humidity down here is straight up oppressive so like you can't get too revved up before practice so you're yeah you're gonna fizzle out quick 
and it's where are you uh where where are you like spending, one and where, done yeah where are you spending your off seasons these days you know i was here um all last off season i had shoulder surgery last year so i was pretty much rehabbing the whole time down here at the facility and then mm-hmm. you know this whole thing went down and you know we just kind of stayed here worked out as a group which was great so you know i've been in florida and the tampa area for shoot over a year now just consistently and it's you know it's been great florida's tough to beat now that the weather's about to break and be 75 and sunny when people are freezing their ass off back home it's you know i follow blaine Blaine on the gram man he's always posting these pictures of him on the water and fishing and he's got all these like big big old fish he's he's hooking and stuff man i'm jealous dude are you a are you a deep water are are you a deep water guy yeah deep deep sea fishing yeah so I, i do that a bunch on the east coast of florida um, but over here it's more bay fishing for like redfish, trout and snook, but it's, you know, it's great. You know, you got to do it while you're here. Um, the fishing's phenomenal. So it's been a lot of fun. So, uh, one of your new teammates this year after besides breeding Gronk, we're a Vanderbilt podcast. So we got to ask about Keyshawn Vaughn, obviously. So, um, you know, he, he's one of the, he, he's one of the new tailbacks who's been, uh, mm-hmm. getting a little bit of run here. So is there anything that really stands about out about him, uh, to you or anything that you think that he really needs to, uh, you know, to work on or what can he do to have a long career in the league? Because obviously Vandy fans, you know, we want to see our guys succeed. We get, you know, we, we get a fair few of them in, in, into the, in, into the league, but you know, for, to take that next step, you know, what, you know, what is the thing? Great. The biggest thing for the rookies this year was they had no OTAs. They had no OTAs. Mm. They had no summer mini oh, camps. Man. A lot of them, it was, it's hard. Yeah, that, is a, hard. that is a huge part of any guy, whether you're a first yeah. year because you just got claimed off a roster or whether you're a rookie. OTAs is such a critical time for just guys to really figure out the playbook. And, um, yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't so know I, that, Blaine. I, felt, I didn't know that. I felt. I felt their pain because we had no OTAs or any of that stuff my rookie year in 2011 just because of the lockout. So the first time they saw a playbook, stepped on an NFL field, practice was training camp. And, you know, as a rookie, oh my you're God. swimming. So, like, it's hard. You, you need that progression in OTAs. I'm like, where you yeah. just, you're just, like, in jerseys for a week, then you're in helmets for a week. Like, you need that progression. Like It's just to, like, figure out how to get around the building. Like, where's the lunchroom? Where's yeah. the meeting room? It's like, there's so many things that you got to figure out. But, no, it's – so they just showed up day one at training camp. But, you know, he's been doing a great job. He had a big touchdown catch versus the Chargers. Um, played great last week. And, you know, with – couple guys getting dinged up his roles expanded and he's been doing a great job he's fun to watch from the football i can tell you that yeah for sure he got lit up on one of those plays and just popped right back up too i, I that was yeah, impressive because he got tough. hit hard last week I, I don't i don't i don't remember if it was khalil mack or who hit him but i was like it oh was, uh, damn Kyle fuller that's yeah, right the okay the corner him. yeah that's right that's right um so that's got to be you know uh, obviously i know our uh, all of our vandy fans are uh, excited to see him and hope hope to see him grow between him and you know obviously you guys also have ronald jones in the backfield there mm-hmm. um so a couple young backs who are you know pretty promising there but let's head back to uh l- let's head back to college because we are a college football podcast here at least for a second so uh coming out of high school you were according to rivals.com the number one quarterback in the 
the country. What a lot of people may not know is that you actually originally committed to Nebraska before mm-hmm. you ended up at Mizzou. And so what I, you know, obviously during that season, uh, Bill Callahan left. Um, so yeah. we sort of reopened your recruitment. What made you want to stay home for Mizzou? Was it just Gary Pinkle? Was it, you know, any sorts of in-state pride? Because you pretty much had options to go wherever you wanted. Yeah, so I was going to Nebraska originally, and then the funny story was they fired Bill Callahan and their athletic director, and then they rehired Tom Osborne to come back. And so I was like, Tom Osborne, like they're gonna be running the triple option with like Tommy Frazier and Eric Krause. And I was like, I'm not built for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had to make a decision, so I was like, It's a business gotta, decision. Like, yeah, it's a business decision. I was like making business decisions at 16. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but you know, it ended up coming down to the university of Alabama and then Missouri, but you know, I made the right call. Um, staying home was great. The coaching staff was wonderful. When I was there, we got to throw the ball every play. I got to play early, you know, and the rest is history. And so, um, I wouldn't have changed a single thing where I went to school. And, you know, it's funny now how it's come full circle, like Mizzou's in the SEC, they're playing Vanderbilt. It's like, I would have never thought in a million years we we're going to play an SEC team unless, unless it was in a bowl game, of course. Yeah. And, and, you know, you also your, your first year, you were, you know, you, you were Chase Daniels backup. And so, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Chase had had, a, you know, a lot of success. He had a lot mm-hmm. of success a, a, as a college quarterback. What did you garner for him from him, I guess, uh, while, during your freshman year when he was I guess he would have been a senior your freshman year and he'd been yeah, starting. So he was a senior and uh, I was the freshman. It was just I was just trying to learn football at that point in time because I had no idea what I was doing. Coverages, plays. <laughs> I just kind of I winged it all of high school like. I just didn't know football. Um, so just picking his brain, how he saw like our spread offense. Yeah, I was like just winging it. Like football's fun. <laughs> see where it goes. And so like when see you where get it to goes. College, yeah. It was like when you get to college, it's like, all right, like I need to figure this out like quick. Yeah, I guess I'll try like, this whole football deal. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, like, only, I'm just, number, just number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so, so like. It was just, it was crazy, like, how much I had no idea about, like, formations, coverage. You don't know what you don't know, yeah, man. Yeah. And so, like, you step on the field, and then you're like, all right, I got to I gotta pick Chase's brain. Like, see what he's doing, just trying to do everything I can, just like him, because it's been working. So, you know, he was a tremendous, tremendous help my freshman year, just kind of picking up on coverages, really teaching me about football and you know, him and our quarterback coach, Coach Ghost, um, who's not at Mizzou anymore, but, you know, they did a great job. It was a lot of fun, and, you know, we had a lot of success when I was there, and that's, that's kind of all she wrote. But Yeah, and, and I mean, uh, you know. It was he, definitely crazy. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. And he's still in the league, too. You guys still got a couple of Mizzou quarterbacks in the league. He's uh, up with the Lions right now, I think. Yeah, and this has got to be year 12 or 13 for Chase. Something like that, yeah. Holy cow. Um, yeah, it was funny. We had three guys at one or shoot. It was myself, Chase, and Brad Smith, and then of course now Drew Locks in the NFL. So we still got we still have three, which is which is great. I mean, it's, it's awesome for the school. Yeah, that, that, that that's more than most schools. So that's you know that that's pretty awesome. Um, and so uh, you know, speaking of uh, of Mizzou, what has your connection been with? Mizzou, especially you know, in the in the post Gary Pinkle era, have you gotten to meet or talk to Coach Drinkwitz at all? You know, obviously new coach there this year. Um, so you know, have you had a gotten a chance to either like speak with him or anything like that? Yeah. Um, and then 
because Barry Odom was a coach after mm-hmm. or before Coach Drinkwitz, and you know Barry was there when I was there um, and played there back in the day, and then now with uh, Coach Drinkwitz coming on, I've had the chance to talk to him probably four or five times, and, he, and he's great. I mean, that was a big win versus LSU last weekend, so it's always nice to get kind of that first W off the board because that's just hanging over everybody's head until you get it. Yeah, but, you know, hopefully we can kind of get things rolling back to what they were. And it's been tough lately, but they had a pretty smooth transition to the SEC early on with Coach Pinkle. They won, I think, their conference twice or their side of the conference twice. And yeah, the they SEC won the division, like back two back of the first yeah. three. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. impressive. And so how is um, – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, good. It, it's just a that's a tough league to perform well in. And you got to be on yeah. it year in and year out. Just the competition's so high. And I'm sure they've had to change recruiting tactics, where they're recruiting. But, um, you know, hopefully they can kind of get back to that sustained, sustained level of winning that we experienced when we were in the Big 12. What do you think it's going to take? I mean, you just you talked about it a little bit right right there. But, um, you know, Vanderbilt was the same way. I mean, when I was my senior year, we won nine games. And, you know, we're mm-hmm. obviously cha- we're obviously chasing – uh, to get back at least to the you know, to the standard of you know being, having a winning season, Vanderbilt hasn't yeah. had a winning season under Coach Mason in the last you know seven, seven years, years that he's been there. Um, so we're we're trying to you know figure things out as well. And you know you touched on a little bit of Missouri. You know you guys have had tons of success over the years, and you know obviously everyone's goal in mind every year is to win a national championship. Uh, what do you think the quickest way? Let's just say you know, and I guess every program every program is different. Like what's the quickest way to, to find success, I guess, um, you know, yeah. on the field and, and winning games. Is it, is it like, is it what everyone says it is? Is just like, Hey, you got to recruit, recruit, recruit as facilities, facilities, you know, do you think it's coaching? Is it a blend of everything? What's the quickest way, I guess, you know, and I, and it, it, I guess it really just depends on what, what school you're talking about specifically. But yeah. I, There's so many levels to that question. And it's a great question. And I think if I were to be running a program, let's say Vanderbilt, for instance, or Mizzou, like yeah, I think that's what I was asking for. No. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you have yeah, how do we how do we win games, Blaine? <laughs> I think you have to recruit. Yeah. Well, look, from, first of all, we got to see if Blaine has any more eligibility and is interested in a grad yeah. transfer. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, p- people are transferring like five times now, so I'm, I figure I got one or two years left. <laughs> but no, it's like, I think you got to recruit your home state well. First and foremost, um, because I feel like the kids from your state have a vested interest in your program being from Nashville, let's say, and they want to, like, they want to come to Vanderbilt. They want to be offered by that home state school. And, you know, I think, I don't want to point any fingers, but Mizzou, I think dropped off there for a few years. They weren't going after the home state kids. I don't think as hard as they should have. Um, and I think for when we were successful back in the day, we recruited St. Louis and Kansas city extremely well. Mm. We got mm-hmm. all the guys from St. Louis, Kansas City in between. And that's what I think helped us be successful. And then you're gonna have to recruit out of state, of course. But you know, if we can really what gets those, get those recruits there borders shut down. What what what's gonna get a top recruit out of Missouri, I guess, to commit? Is it is, uh you know, what should coaches be preaching? You know, is it uh is it a relationship with a coach? Is it like, hey, we've got the best facilities to offer is it, you? Is it playing time? Like is it playing yeah, time, you know? It, the playing time thing's hard because you you can't guarantee playing time because at the end of the day, the coach, they really don't know if you're good enough. They think you're good enough, but they really need to see you perform on campus. So it's 
when coaches guarantee play time, it's, it never really ends well because I don't know. It's just, there's too many variables at stake because a guy could come on campus and he's just, he's not good enough. We, you thought he was good on recruiting film and then camps, but you know, at the end of the day, there was better people out there, but you know, there's so many things that go into recruiting now. It's, it's insane with the facilities that the SEC mm. schools have the money that's put into recruiting all the social media madness. It's yeah, it's different. I'm, I'm so far removed oh. from the Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook recruiting. It used to be just be handwritten letters. And once you got those, it was, yeah. it was game on. I guess we're all three of us probably added tune a little bit. Same thing. I mean, in high school, you know, I was getting, I'm sure all three of us were getting letters, you know, from, from colleges and that I couldn't wait to come home and open up a letter from a coach and just see a, a handwritten letter, even just like junk mail, you know, everyone got some junk yeah. mail that just, you know, had the old signature at the bottom with a printed mm-hmm. out, you know, letterhead and stuff. But, uh, I can't even imagine, I guess, if you're a 17 year old these days, how, you know, how connected everyone is, you know, everyone is, I mean, then it was just like, I think Facebook was just starting to kind of take off a little bit when I was 17. Um, yeah. But now, now every day's nowadays, everyone is so connected. I mean, you could just see what everyone's doing. You know, you can sit there and FaceTime. I mean, I had to have coaches fly to my state to come see me. You know, there was like yeah. no FaceTiming, you know? No. Um, what, what, I guess, what advice would you have? You know, again, this, the question is hard because it doesn't maybe necessarily apply to the kids who are maybe 17 years these days, but a kid who's being recruited at a high school and is, you know, has aspirations to go play college football. What are some things that that kid should think, I guess, for their future, um, you know, professionally and, you know, from a football standpoint? Yeah, it's funny because my little brother just went through this. He's going to be a sophomore at Miami of Ohio this year. And so he just went to so his, like, I kind of got like the download back on like the recruiting trail through him. And it's what I told him was you got to go to a school where you're going to be happy if the coach football is gone and you can just enjoy going to school and having fun there because the coaches are going to leave. People get promotions, people get head jobs, people get fired. Right. And so rule you one, can't base yeah. a decision. Yeah. You can't base a decision. You're rule one. Don't base it on a coach on a relationship. Right. Because the game now has changed. Coaches are making so much money, and I feel <laughs> not all of them, but a lot of them are always looking for the next step, the next promotion. And that's just – that's the business of college football these days. So you can't base a decision on a school that you're going to potentially go to for five years off of, a, of off of a coach or who's showing you the, quote, most love on social media. Those are kind of things that just go by the wayside once you get on campus. And it's definitely changed because everything's like you said, social media driven, Instagram, Twitter, DMS. It's all, it's all it is now. Yeah. Well, this might be a, yeah, this might be a personal question, but like, you know, when you were thinking about going to Missouri, you know, obviously there's a lot of kids these days who are just thinking, Hey, how, how am I going to get to the NFL the quickest? You know, you gotta, you Mm -hmm. gotta, you gotta imagine that like coaches who are recruiting these players to go to these top universities, Clemson, Alabama, you know, you gotta think that some of these kids are just thinking, Hey, uh, what's the program that's going to get me to the NFL the quickest? And I know, again, yes. maybe a personal question for you. You came out early, right? Um, mm-hmm. Was that something, you know, that you had, was that like pre-existing? Like, did you already have that aspiration or was that just kind of, hey, it worked out because, it, yeah, I, you know, I played good I football. I think every college, every college football player wants to make it to the NFL. Like, that's the dream, of course. Um, 
but that's something that comes down the line. There's so many steps that you got or boxes you got to check before before that opportunity even presents itself. You got to get on campus. You got to play. You got to start. You got to play well. You got to win a bunch of games. And you know, I college coaches definitely do sell the dream of oh, we can get you to the NFL. But at the end of the day, it's up to the individual if they're going to apply themselves and do the things that it takes to get to the league. And you know, that's where I think a lot of this kind of gets lost in translation where some kids now just think it may be easy to get to the NFL and they forget yeah. the work that needs to be put in to have the success. Yeah, I was going to say, some of these level, kids get hurt. Get there. Some yeah. of these kids get hurt by these coaches telling them that, Hey, you're just, a, you're a stud. You know, some of these guys, it hurts some of these guys, you know, it's like a double-edged yeah, sword. You step, on, you step on campus, you're a freshman with the number and that's just the way it is. Nobody cares what you did in <laughs> high school. Like, let's be yeah. honest. Like, and then once you get to the NFL, nobody cares what you did in college because everybody was good in college. You know, so, so it's like once you hit those levels, like it just the recruiting doesn't matter. Like you need once you get to campus, you got to put the work in to kind of achieve the goals that you want to achieve. Gotcha. No, ab- absolutely, absolutely. Have you seen though some of the facilities from like LSU, Clemson? Like <laughs> you know, like one of the things that everyone you know Vanderbilt especially you know lags behind in is facilities. And then I, I, you know, I, I follow some of these schools on Instagram and stuff like that. And I saw the new LSU, I saw the new LSU locker room and it's like $75 million or something for, for, yeah. for, for the, for this locker Crazy. room. And, and, and I'm thinking like, dang, like, I mean, it is, it's so, it's, it's like going into like a palace. It's, it's, yeah. it's beyond like, I, you know, and how how has that you know were, were that was that even a factor for you like coming out of high school did you really care like that much about the facilities obviously like yeah you don't want to go somewhere where like you got like leaky faucets and like drips coming down and stuff like that <laughs> but w- was that a big thing for you i can honestly say i don't remember that factoring into my decision a single bit you know it's nice to go into a co- any college facility at that point in time was nicer than what you had in high school oh for sure um but like the like you said, like the latest and greatest thing is like these facilities that are hundred million plus dollars. It's, I mean, that's crazy. If you're making a decision based on a facility, like you're in the wrong sport. And it, and it was definitely cool to see all the colleges like going to Nebraska's, going to the Alabamas of the world. Like they did it the right way. Um, but I'm sure those have been revamped and re-upped now since 15 years ago. I can't even imagine what some of these SEC facilities look like. They're absolutely silly. They're absolutely silly. I mean, like, I mean, LSU, I mean, Clemson, obviously an ACC school, but still same thing, man. It's, it's, it's beyond, it's beyond ridiculous. I'm just, I, I also can't imagine getting recruited in the social media age right now because like, you know, some of these kids, just, you know, you'll, you'll see them like tweet out or put on Instagram and like, come on, like show me, just, just being like, show me love. And like, you just see all these dudes, just like all these, like, oh, you know, all these people with Twitter fingers just being like, these guys are yeah. verified, man. These guys yeah. got blue checks. It's and crazy. High school now. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> it's crazy. Just like feeding the egos, yeah. Like nobody cares what your top ten schools are. Like, just make the call and go play good football. I saw a kid release a top twenty-two. It's like the gender reveals for like college football. Oh Oh, god, let's get rid of all of it. Let's just ban all of it. (laughs) All social media. Well, no gender reveals. Like top whatever schools. Like let's get rid of all of it. I don't want to see a hat dance again. I don't need to see you pick the hat and put it on. Like I mean, that's what Blaine did. You know, that's what Blaine did. He was like, I'm going to do that. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> they got his name up on Missouri on the weight room a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how often? Out of bag. Yeah. How often do you get a, do you get back to Columbia? Quite a bit. Um, Justin Smith, who played with us in San Francisco, lives in town now. So um, I usually try and make it over there when I'm home just to go see him and hang out. But, you know, I haven't been back to the facility to see the coaches in, in quite some time. And definitely have been back this past year just being down here. But There's a Vandy guy that works with QBs town. there. Do you know Austin Carter Samuels? He's a, he yeah, works with – he was uh, in Vanderbilt around the time I was at Mizzou. I think he may be a couple years younger than me. Or he was yeah, at, no, he, he, he was uh, Wyoming. Yeah, he was a transfer. Actually, he is uh yeah. he is younger than me though, Blaine, because he was a QB after I left, right? Or am I getting confused here? He, no, he yeah, was no, quarterback Car- after Cardis, I left. Car- Curtis Ambles was like a he I think graduated like sixteen or seventeen, something like that. Oh yeah, wow. he, he, he yeah, he's actually younger. quite a bit younger. He's younger than I am, Blaine, because I left in two thousand twelve. And then he was a starting quarterback in 2013, and it took gotcha. Vanny to win it Took Vanny to win another nine game season after I left. I had I had Jordan Rogers as my QB my senior yep. year. Um, yeah. And then after Jordan left, uh, then Austin Carter Samuel stepped in. Yep. I definitely yep. know. Was he at Wyoming prior to Vanderbilt? He was. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was a transfer from Wyoming, um, and uh, yeah, so he was at Vanderbilt for I think. Two years, I guess. Um, maybe two or three years. I'm sorry, Austin, if he's yeah. listening, he's probably going to kill me. He's like, how do you not know this? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that's another another Vandy guy that's over in Missouri right now. Um, and he's been there for a few years now, correct? Yeah, a long time. Yeah. I think he's been there for at least at least four or five years now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that that is really great. Obviously, you know, you you were playing in the Big 12 back, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day. And you had, you know, so you're, you know, I mean... As a Mizzou player in the Big 12, like who did you feel like your biggest rival was? Was it Kansas? Was it Iowa State? Like, you know, obviously you guys had some big victories. You guys beat Oklahoma when they were number one your mm-hmm. junior year. But I don't yeah. I don't I never really felt like that was like a rivalry per se. So who was like no, your biggest always, rival at that point? We would always usually end up matching up with OU kind of at the end of the year, like whether it be the Big 12 championship game or just kind of dependent on how the schedule broke down, what Big 12 South teams were playing, but it had to have been Nebraska when I was there. Okay. I mean, of course, the Mizzou KU games, that's, that's always going to be a rivalry because we always did the border war games um, at Arrowhead Stadium at the end of the year. But, you know, the big rivalry was definitely Nebraska um, because they were always kind of our competition to win the Big 12 North title every year. So it was uh, the winner of that game usually took took the North. So they were definitely kind of our rival near big, good, games because we were both usually ranked top 25 at that point in time and they were a lot of fun because nebraska at the time had a bunch of great players if you look at the list of the guys on that football team that played in the nfl or still in the nfl it's, it's pretty amazing <clears throat> yeah what, what was indomitian sue on any of those nebraska teams he played against because he would Definitely. be I, I would imagine he'd be someone who's absolutely terrifying to go up against yeah. <laughs> i mean he honestly he, he should have won the heisman that season he should have it was it was the season he had in 2009, I believe, was like the best defensive season ever in college football. And, you know, we played him at Mizzou, and he was just a one-man wrecking crew. And now you guys are teammates. Yeah, and he's great. Glad he's on our team, though. 
Uh, Blaine, I guess one last quick question before we let you go. It should be a quick answer. Should college, should college athletes be paid? I'm joking. That's not a quick question. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Like, I think they're about to be, right? I'm kind of yeah. behind the eight ball, but didn't – didn't some state pass a law about name? Did they can make money off their name, image, and likeness? Name, but, image, and likeness. So that yeah. I'm assuming that comes down to marketing deals and mm-hmm. off the off the field stuff. Yeah, autographs and stuff like I that. Mean, yeah, yeah, as they should. I mean, if they would break down. I mean, as you guys know, like the hours that you yeah. actually work on football based off of what your scholarship check is 20 like, hours a week in giant air yeah yes. 20 that does not include travel like being on the bus anything else like that like yeah 20 yeah. hours a week is a, is a joke that 20 <laughs> that the 20 that turns into 60 real quick <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's tough it's really tough you know these athletes got i mean athletes make a huge sacrifice especially professionally because i always my my always big thing is like when I retired, um, you know, I was five years removed from college and basically five years removed from my professional life outside of football. And so one thing that I feel like a lot of these guys probably struggle with and one thing that I struggled with, I guess, when I retired and same thing coming out of college is that you're so uh, you're so invested in the game of football, right? Um, mm-hmm. Versus when you're thinking about, hey, I'm a regular college student, um, you know, when my class schedule is done at one o'clock, or, you know, a lot of these kids are forced to do certain majors because it has a conflict with their, with athletics. Yep. Now, when you think about how a lot of these kids are, you know, they're, they're doing these internships, summer work programs, you know, going and getting uh, part-time jobs so that when they transition out of football, they have real work experience, right? And I think that's something that I really struggled with, I guess, coming out of the NFL was that I was five years removed from any sort of professional work experience. So mm-hmm. when I hit the ground running. I had no experience. Right. And so all that time and sacrifice that I made during football, I was really behind the eight ball, I guess you could say professionally, as I'm starting to figure out what my career is going to be for the next 30 years, you know, because football, you know, not, not for long kind of thing. Same thing with college athletes. You know, you think about these guys are sacrificing so much time. They're not really given any opportunity to go and do, let's just say a full, semester internship with like a bank of america mm-hmm. or someone where they have like an internship program that if you do get a job you get hired full-time you know coming out of college 100 um, percent. so that's you know i was that was always my argument it was just it's so difficult for these guys to you know be on the same level i guess as a regular student especially professionally so there has to be an opportunity for these guys to get some sort of financial, you know, assistance or a little bit of bankroll to get them started for a few years. Correct. To really able to kind of get, kind of get things going, you know? Cause like you said, they are behind the eight ball. They don't have those opportunities because of the time it takes to be successful at football and football at that point in time in college. I mean, that's their job. Like the amount of revenue mm-hmm. that any given college football program makes I mean, don't quote me on this, but it supports a lot of the institution. Like there's a lot of people's jobs that are paid off of the revenue generated by a football team. And Mm -hmm. I think the kids should be compensated for that because like you said, they're behind the eight ball. They don't have the chance to build relationships or go do the internships and meet people through all those avenues that a normal student would have. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Football presents plenty of opportunities and plenty of contacts that you wouldn't normally have if you were a normal student, but you know, I think there's a, 
there's a give and get because uh, yeah. those kids need to be taken care of. And like you said, you were five years behind the eight ball. Like the first five years working from college, I mean, my buddies were figuring out what they wanted to do. And mm-hmm. just starting to yeah. get settled into a job and now, at 30. Right. And now these guys are all managers. These guys have had five years of on-the-job experience or getting promoted mm-hmm. into, you know, larger roles. You know, a guy who's coming right out now is looking at, you know, hey, this is going to be an entry-level position. And that's crazy yeah. to think about that you're at the top of your game. And at the end of the day, you've got no real actual real-world work experience other no, than it's, football. Yeah, you know? and that's, that's a very real problem that, I would say 95% of guys have when they leave the NFL because there's a very few, there's a very small percentage of guys that will be good for the rest of their life. Set for life. Yeah. And that's the thing I tell everybody. It's a very small percentage. And people have this weird illusion about, oh, you made it to the NFL, like you're set for life. Like, no, there's probably five to 10% maybe that are set for life. And a lot of guys will have to get a job. And that's just the reality of the situation that, kind of we chose to be in and playing in the NFL mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. you kind of got to roll the dice sometimes oh yeah it, it, it's not one of these deals feel sorry for us but <laughs> no it's awesome <laughs> you like, know I'll roll the dice and, and like you said been... and like you said you know the context that you get to meet and then that's up to you at that point to how are you gonna mm-hmm. like utilize those contexts but 100 definitely definitely from a from a collegiate standpoint though I definitely think there's a lot of sacrifices that these young kids are making that I think financial compensation would definitely go a long way and really help these guys, I guess, catch up, as you could say, you know, hundred percent. Um, and that's just one of the arguments. Those, those scholars, just, yeah. And the, yeah. Cause like the scholarship checks really, I mean, they would barely cover room and board. I remember nothing. it was nothing. nothing. And so it was like you every know? month I was like, Hey pops, can I get a hundred bucks? Like the scholarship check's yeah. gone. I- Absolutely. Of course. I mean, I was fortunate enough that I had a mom and dad that were able to, you know, at least support me a little bit in college. Mm-hmm. You know, not, every, not everyone has that luxury. I mean, some of these guys, Correct. you know, left their hometown and maybe whose mom and dad don't have enough to send their kids to college. And now it's like, Hey, I'm here. What am I going to do? Yeah. You know, and they, and they, um, and the colleges and the NCAA, they've done a great job with the grants that the guys can apply for to get some extra money, but it would be yeah, nice. Yeah for everybody to have that opportunity to make money off kind of their own name and face, which hopefully they can get that thing taken care of and get that done soon. Well, we got so. my little brother to do. I'm about to say he's about to, he's about to start his journey, man. So he's going to, is he I a know. freshman this year or he's going to be, be a, a freshman? Okay. He'll be a sophomore this year. Yeah. So we started yeah. last year and did great and they had a lot of success. So I'm just ready to get their season rolling so I can watch some games on Saturday. Awesome, man. I'll have to tune in on some. Um, man, thank you so much for coming on. I know yeah, we ran a little bit late. On, guys. Thank we you really, so much. We really appreciate it. Good luck uh, against the Packers this week, against your old yeah, offensive thanks. coordinator, Matt LaFleur. Yeah, so, that'd be fun uh, to see, Matt. You know, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, well, uh, uh, until then, uh, you know, like I said, good luck. Thanks again for, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank anytime. you, Blaine. We'll check. We'll check right, back boys. in, and uh, I get that at the end of the season. We'll check back in with you, and maybe get yeah, a few, we'll have to do uh, another few one notes. Before, uh, yeah, before the <laughs> December. <laughs> it's I think it's, uh, the December twelfth. The real now. game. This is the yeah. yeah this is just uh, uh, the pregame speech. All right, well, Blaine. It. Thanks again for having us, man. Best of luck to you this week. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right, All right. see you guys. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.